Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Match Ball. The podcast is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. 10% off your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan. Hello. Um, Michael's here as well. Oh, yeah. So is Moscow. Daniel Chapman. Hello. Yeah. Oh, fuck off. Yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? Uh, congratulations to Brighton. For their first ever win in January in the Premier League. We did it from, didn't we? Good lads. <sighs> a great bunch of lads we are allowing that to happen. What a fucking grind. Shit, wasn't it? Awful. I'm struggling to think of anything good to say. We'll we'll have to try at some point, but let's be negative first. God, that was awful. Second half, an improvement, maybe. Mm. Well, just it, about. It went from like a three out of ten to a four out of ten, didn't it? Three I think it went two or three out of ten, maybe, at, at best. That wasn't at all like us. We just—I know that I know we can say the pitch was bad and everything, but same pitch for Brighton, wasn't it? They did some quite nice stuff on it, didn't they? At points. Well, what they were doing—they were passing to one another, which we yeah. weren't. Uh, but we should give that a try because it seemed to be a more successful tactic than booting it around, not at each other. Who were those players there as well? Who were stood like in the in the middle of the pitch? Ben White. Mm. All of them. They were just all Ben White. He annoyed me today, did Ben White, for trying against us, the little prick. Particularly that one where he, he turned into Maradona briefly and just ghosted past everyone in midfield. I mean, it does, it's indicative of a bit of a problem of ours, isn't it, with this uh, with the old man-to-man system, is that, particularly through midfield, players can pick the ball up and just have a bit of a run at us. I mean, running through the middle of us today was not difficult, was it? The, the midfield was, particularly when it was Rodrigo and um, Click, in the middle, there was nothing, and then strike behind them didn't appear to be particularly doing the Calvin job very well. It, it's, it's easy to forget, I think, with Stroke that he's about a year ago he was coming on and playing badly at centre back as we lost three all to Cardiff, and now he's expected lost, to. We lost three all to Cardiff. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> exactly what happened. That's, yeah. exactly, that's exactly how I remember it. it. <laughs> that's how it feels, yeah. But it wasn't good enough today by any stretch, and Click was terrible as well. Give us some words of wisdom, Moscow. You're normally um, optimistic around these sorts of things, but that off the back of what happened at Crawley and obviously Spurs before that, it feels like we're in a bit of a rut at the minute. Yeah, so the good news is we don't play for ages. I mm. genuinely think that is a bonus now. Yeah, I, well. I do think that having the time to go away and work on whatever they need to work on is a good thing. Under-23s play on Monday, Stoke, and then next Sunday, Wolves. I uh, can't remember if they're home or away, but that's fine. That's do. That's all the Leeds United I need to see for the next 10 days. I don't want to see anything... <laughs> 
from any of the rest of them. They can all just go um, and hide with Ilan Melier. Well, not actually with him because they might catch what he's got. But um, yeah, go away. I mean, talking about keepers, Kiko was actually probably one of the few players who had a good performance today. And we'd been speaking in recent weeks about him being alarming, just seeing his name on the team sheet. I know he had his moment. He had a little moment, but it was only a little moment. That one at the end where he made it, he went, oh, okay, no, good save, solid, expecting <laughs> to make it, but a good solid save. And then it was, for some reason, behind him, uh, which was a little bit concerning. But I mean, it's, it's... He didn't do anything majorly wrong, did he? Punched one really, really miles clear. That was good. Caught one in the first half that was all right. Should we keep him in? No. <laughs> Is no. the right answer. We put Melier back in, put Calvin Phillips back in, put... Uh, Yorente back in, get cockpit, um, find out where the real Rodrigo is and um, and smack Bamford's early season form back into him and stop him moaning and then I think we'll be a lot better. What is going on with Rodrigo? You said at one point during that game, Michael, I can't quite figure out what he's for yet and there is a certain amount of truth in that. I mean, he has a real quality about him when, when we've seen him at his best this season. You know, his ability to pick a pass and and do it quickly and accurately. Um, but he's having quite a lot of games where I'm not quite sure what he's doing. He's got very strikerish tendencies, which is not surprising given that's what he is. But he doesn't ever drop deep. Like, you know, it's when Tyler Roberts came on, he was in our own half a fair bit, picking the ball up and running with it and trying to make things happen. And Rodrigo, he, he doesn't really seem to do that. So if we've got a lot of the ball in the final third, he's useful to have on. But in games like today where we're, we're just not keeping it in midfield, it is very hard to justify his place in the team because he doesn't, he just doesn't do anything. Yeah, it's strange. You keep waiting for him to kind of stop doing that and start playing deeper and start doing what Tyler Roberts was doing when he came on. But then he plays like that all the time. So you start to wonder if that's what Marcelo Bielsa wants him to do to be much closer to Bamford than we would normally expect somebody in that position to be. But ain't working. And it leaves Click with too much to do. Matthews is... Uh, is a machine, but he can't run an entire midfield on his own. It was interesting today. I thought he was as bad as anyone in the first half. And then once he got to the stage where he dropped deeper and Roberts was dropping back to help him, he started doing some quite nice things again. And you do wonder if it's just that he is lost in there because he's trying to play against two, three, four players sometimes and he's the only one attempting to stop things or create things in that space. And there's just not any possibility that one man can do it. And in Brighton, you've got a team there were dropping back into that really, really rigid shape. There was one point in the second half where um, they lost the ball and immediately dropped into a, like a back seven in a matter of a split second. They went, you know, you could see their five across the back and then two in front of them. And you're like, ah, it, unless you're going to get through these lines dead quickly and catch them, you know, like on the uh, on the half turn or whatever, then you've got a, got a problem, haven't you? Trying to get through all that, particularly on a heavy pitch. Does does it does it feel to you like? It was another day where everything just conspired against us a little bit. Subpar performances, heavy pitch. Um, deep lying opposition it all just kind of knocked us off our off our stride a bit it wasn't a classic deep lying opposition kind of game though because they had the better chances in it didn't they and they felt like they were the more likely to score pretty much throughout the game I, I felt like they were going to get the second as well at, at various points when when they managed to break as much as I mean I think Potter actually weakened them by making the change I thought they were actually quite firmly in the game and dominating it until he started faffing about with it and all of a sudden people like Trossard who went off and McAllister who had been running rings around us in midfield they seemed to switch that for a more defensive option and they lost their grip a little bit admittedly we made changes as well so it's hard to say exactly what led to what but they were better than us 
maybe that thing about them being unable to defend the lead is the manager's fault. They can do it, but then he sticks his fucking posh coat in and that starts uh, letting them down. It erodes, erodes what they're doing. So that's how come who, who scored have them down as, uh, as liabilities when ahead because they never looked um, particularly um, as if they were going to let us cons- uh, score loads of goals against them. And I don't know if it was a game where everything conspired against us because there weren't really that many things going against us. It was more that things weren't going for us and Leeds had to make those things happen and didn't. I mean, there was a lot of passing around that was just inaccurate today. Why was that? Does this just happen sometimes? Pitch? You think? Can we blame the pitch for that? Same pitch no, for Brighton. but Michael wasn't saying anything, so I thought, <laughs> I, I thought I'd provide the uh, the idiotic comment that he was too frightened to say, but so it, it's there, the pitch's fault. Well, there is truth in this that kind of we don't really know how to pick this apart, do we? Uh, does it feel to you like... With a garden you, fork. Well, yeah, with, with some new drainage. Um, what you know? What do we put it down to? I, I'm... I'm kind of I'm struggling a little bit to to pin down exactly what it is that's gone wrong today. I don't know if it's just too many people out of position, and it it just doesn't quite work. I think Dallas. We've reached the point now where we can say Dallas probably is a fullback. So when he goes there, that was fine. But when you're starting a game with Luke Ayling at centre back and Alioski, still not. I'm still not convinced by him as a left back or as a left winger to be honest. But I think he's kind of he's good enough that he can be around to do a bit of a squad, bit of squad play, a bit of mm. several jobs. Mm. Then you've got. Pascal Stroik, who is a centre-back, playing in arguably the most important position in the team. You've got Rodrigo, who's a striker, playing in a midfield role. It, none of it felt like it was slotting together there. I think the loss of Calvin is huge. Like, Stroik, is, he does some all right things, but the amount of time Calvin is just in the right place to do things, whether it's defensively or attackingly, he just turns up and they're breaking. like that, Their goal, you wouldn't have been at all surprised if Calvin's on the pitch, that he just, at some point, steps in front of one of those passes that that he's going through us because he just judges things very well. Yeah, Strike did take a few pelters if you were to read Twitter in that first half just for, for his performance, but he wasn't by any stretch the only one. No, and it's it's a really difficult job that he's being asked to do as well. It's I wouldn't I wouldn't fancy most players in the Premier League to do it because it's it, there's such a lot of responsibility on you. I mean, Tyler Roberts, at least he offered something when he came on. I mean, the irony is that the two players who most people kind of went, oh, and shrugged when they saw them with Casilla, and then when Roberts came on, a great Roberts is coming on. But he actually, he offered us a little bit of something, even if it wasn't quite enough. I thought he was very good. He was arguably our best player. See, I always like him. I always think he's uh, he's a good player, and that was why, um, even there was a late chance, I think the ball um, it ended up, it was that one that Bamford, he kind of ducked under the header, and it, it went over him. Um, but his movement before that had been absolutely superb moving for him. Um, midfield into the box off the ball and just looks a lot more um, comfortable. He he manages to sort of channel his striker instincts, which is um, what he used to do quite a lot when he was on loan at Warsaw. They had him as a, a classic number nine up front. Um, he manages to kind of convert that into being the, the number 10 you want Rodrigo to be. If you had Rodrigo's obvious quality in kind of Tyler Roberts' body, or ability to follow instructions, if those are the instructions he should be following. Certainly the, the instructions Bielsa gives to Roberts. Um, it's interesting trying to work out what the the problem is there. If if Bielsa is telling Rodrigo to do a totally different thing and then telling Roberts to come on and do that, why don't you try telling Rodrigo to do what Roberts did? And it does sound a bit daft to be telling a Spanish international 29-year-old that we signed for a club record fee to watch 
go home and watch some videos of Tyler Roberts play and then learn how to do it, but um, couldn't fault him when he came on. Interesting point about Rodrigo, returning to him for a minute, that I was listening to Radio Leeds on the way in and they were playing back the uh, the interview they did with him through the week and he was saying his his favourite position is behind the striker. Now, I don't quite know if we have a player that plays behind the striker or do we? Or do we, because of his tendency to play further up the pitch, then lose out in midfield because of that, because his instinct is to be further forward? We saw the way Tyler Roberts did it and we've seen when Pablo does it, he plays it in the same way as Roberts did, that he drops deep quite a lot to pick the ball up and he starts things by running with the ball from defence rather than allowing Liam Cooper or someone to do it. He just goes back in there and goes, right, everyone get out of my way. I'm going to have a little go at this. Rodrigo doesn't do that. He seems to want to play off Bamford. And we've not even talked about Bamford yet, have we? But Didn't do out. Well, not his fault. Didn't work today, did it, really? We did whinge a bit too much. I know it's like one of the things when um, very late on, when Tyler Roberts didn't pass to him, he tried crossing beyond him. Um, the ball hadn't even gone out of play and Pat Bamford turned his back on the match and started chirping at um, Roberts about where the ball had gone and why he hadn't passed to him. I was like, concentrate. Come on, lads. And there was a, a little bit of, of that. It was just that sort of niggly frustration though, wasn't it? There was, and that was that sort of started early on. I noticed it with um, uh, Bamford thought he was being penalised for, for pushing sh- somebody and he wasn't, but he turned around and started have, like looking at the linesman going, they didn't even do anything. I was like, well, nobody's given a free kick against you, so carry on playing and he wasn't the only one there was there was lots of other kind of bits going off um all over the the place but it did seem like brighton were more focused on the job in hand whereas leeds were more easily distracted by things not going their way and um and more easily falling into that trap of just kind of turning to each other and moaning or turning to the referee and moaning these games where bamford is anonymous and can't get into it tend to be the ones against the teams that stick two banks of, it's either two banks of four or a five and a, and a two as it was with Brighton today, where they really shorten the game and squeeze that space around the box. He just doesn't have the space in which to operate. Do you think that's true? And if, if that is a problem that we keep coming up against this season, what do we do about it? Cross better. I mean, it's not his fault that, you know, we weren't finding him with passes. We just couldn't string together a move that would get as far up the pitch as it would actually involve him. There was that one um, it was more, it was Rodrigo on the first one, wasn't it? When Johnny fired that brilliant cross across, where else would you cross across? Um, and it, <laughs> it, it was looked, great that by it the looked way. like it might have had a little deflection before it got to Rodrigo. And, um, yeah, that was interesting. I, was, I wonder what that says about the, the way things were lining up because Rodrigo on that one is on the edge of the six yard box, hoping and you're hoping he's just going to tap it in. And, um, Bamford had actually dropped back, he'd gone to the edge of the area for the, the pullback, and you wonder if. You know, should it be the other way round? Would that have gone better? But then when uh, the one chance did fall for, for Bamford, that I think ended up being called offside for Rafinha way back, um, he completely air-kicked it. And um, I suppose the one criticism you would, you'd make of him, if, if you are going to be not as involved um, with getting chances in the box, when you do get the chance, you need to kick the actual football and not the air. That would have um, That would have helped. But... It was going to be called offside anyway because of Rafinha. So, I don't know, maybe after 10 minutes of the match, we should just have all gone down the tunnel and said, you know what, not going to work today. It did feel like a game where we could have played for a week and not scored. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Talk to me then about inverted wingers because we saw Rafinha on the left today and we saw Jack Jackie Harrison on the right. And it felt to me, do you agree, that we lost that best bit of Rafinha, which is his ability to cut inside and unleash a thunder bastard on his left. He did do that one thing that was good. What was that? He was on the... Oh, uh, oh the way we took the guy on. He was, he, the play completely stopped and he went, watch this, watch this defender. I'm going to do something now and you're not going to know where the ball's going. And he did that well. Other than that, yeah, yeah, it was bad. I thought Harrison wasn't wasn't great. He was he quite often had chances to cross the ball, and they were basically all crap, which I thought was not entirely out of character for him. But I thought he'd move beyond this. Yeah, I wonder if them being on different sides explained why um, Click kept passing behind them. Well, Rafinha, when he did that um, skill, he had it had come about the game had stopped because he had kind of had to stop his run and. Um, go back to get the ball from where it had been passed. I'm sure it was click. may not have been. Sorry, Matthews, wasn't you? Um, and there was a lot of that of just kind of, instead of putting it into the uh, the path of a player on the run, it was everyone kind of checking back and then the Brighton players keep running back and getting into position so that when the cross does come in, they're all in position to, to clear it. So it all just um, very pedestrian. And Rafinha did his best. I think Harrison did his best as well. And neither of them kind of stopped trying to do good things but it was um yeah all the kind of pace was just absent from everything and i guess it was another change in a team full of changes and again maybe people not knowing their role quite as well as they should i don't know it would be nice to get back to um the first team or as near as damn it or to see you know what urente is actually like as a player you know we spent a lot of money on him he could be good and that means we can get ailing back to Right back. I mean, it did um, look a little bit brighter at the end, and it wasn't just um, that Tyler Roberts came on and was the new Maradona. It was that we had Stroik uh, suddenly looked a lot happier as a centre half, and Ailing and Dallas are the full backs where they should be. And um, so it, it was kind of a little bit more like um, the Championship leads almost 1 to 11. In fact, the only player who wasn't a Championship player at the end was. Pervader, wasn't it? He wasn't was there. He was. He was there in the championship, though, wasn't he? Only so, after Christmas, but it was like um, 
if you, well, the, the finishing eleven had all played in the championship, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Ben White on the pitch too, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how the did finishing we, twelve? Yeah. How did we not win when we had twelve players on the pitch? It's a scandal. But um, but you know, we we are every game without that balance and ailing um, is so good from right back. It doesn't matter. I know he's kind of turned himself into a later career um, centre half, but Urente can do that. We hope it does feel like. I think you're right on reflection. I do tend to agree with that. It feels like we're suffering from the amount of square pegs and round holes at times. I do I do tend to agree with that. We just don't have many central midfielders, do we? We're, we're, just, we're just not quite good enough in terms of squad depth, are we? That's the thing. Our central midfielders include a young centre-back and a winger who who kind of sometimes plays there. And Pablo Hernandez, who is, again, a winger stroke attacking midfielder who sometimes has to play in central midfield as well. Like There's not there's no one you would swap do a direct change for Click or Phillips is the Shackleton. Yeah, but I would yeah. like to see more Shackleton, the star of um, the uh, playoff semi-final against Derby after Stuart Dallas, and I think it's kind of um, he's always a bit of a shame. Not a shame that you know matches Click was so good last season, but it did mean that um, Shack with his injuries as well didn't get the chance to kind of develop from there. But I would like um, Shackleton in there, and that's one of our best performances of the season. Started with Pascal Stroik um, looking terrible and getting booked. Yeah, he didn't look terrible, but he got booked, didn't he, in uh, in midfield away to Aston Villa when we didn't have Phillips. And um, we brought on Shackleton instead, dropped click deeper. Shackleton did the click job. Rodrigo and Bamford were um, attacking. And I think the only change from um, the team today in that case was it was Helder Costa was playing in, instead of Rafinha or Paveda. And we had Robin Cock um, in defence. I forget we own him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, and he's a way off yet. And that's another thing. It's a shame that his um, his knee couldn't get through to the end of the season for us. So that's um, and that's had a knock on where Ailings had to move to play for him because Yorente's out at the same time um, and all of that. But yeah, I I often think Shackleton is is worth a go. But again, and I, I feel like I say this quite often, it is because we have the the perennial problem of us being. Um, shallow in midfield Cuisance was being signed for a lot of money for a reason yeah I, I agree with both of you on that about midfield and it's ironically where you need for sure isn't it someone yeah. in there the metronome someone to get in there and just just pass it about and bridge that gap between the players who are so far up the pitch and just, those that are sitting deeper just someone who knows that job really well because as much as Dallas comes in and does it admirably most of the time and Stroik has occasionally played fairly well there they just don't know it in the same way as someone who's played 200 games throughout their career does. And and, and, you know, you're absolutely right. And just touching on Strike, with that in mind, I think it's admirable that Bielsa sees qualities in Strike where he could come in as a, an able substitute for Calvin and sit in the deep line midfield role. But we've seen the number of times where he's had kind of off games in that position and then, and then he has one good one and maybe a couple of off ones when he does it because it's not his specialist position. He's used to being a centre-back. Um and when you are operating on such fine margins as we do in the Premier League, when games are tight like that, and it just needs that little bit of extra something, when you have a player who is learning a position like that, you can't really afford that luxury, can you? When you, particularly when you've got other players missing. And Calvin Phillips is really good at it, so you properly notice the difference. Whereas, it, because we don't have an out-and-out brilliant left back, when that changes between Dallas or Alioski and last season when it was Douglas, sometimes it didn't massively affect the balance of the team because it was always sort of all right there. Whereas with Phillips going out, there's no one who can do anything like the job he does. And Phillips said that he didn't really get the hang of it until the end of his first season. So there's, there is still hope for 
Scroik. And I think that's the um, the problem we find ourselves in a little bit where he has the chance to kind of come in and, and learn how to do it while Phillips is out. And the assumption is that because we're not going to go down, it doesn't matter. It'll be fine. Stroik can kind of has that. We do have the luxury this season of him seeing if you can get closer to the Phillips level, but we don't really have the luxury of losing to Brighton. That's what kind of makes it a little bit more um, tense about trying those things because it's all right, Spurs or whatever. It's like, it's fine. Even Calvin Phillips is, is trying to get to a, another level in those games, but we can only afford those kind of luxuries if we beat uh, Brighton. Are you uh, at all worried about relegation now? Oh, we're doomed. <laughs> we're down basically already after today. That's it now. Always a bit worried. We should I, mean, I know fine. you are, yeah, yeah. We <laughs> should be fine, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad we've not got a game for a while. We can have a have a long, hard look at ourselves and decide a, a, a team that might actually play some proper Leeds United football because that was not like watching one of our games today, was it? It felt mm-hmm. like when I accidentally end up watching you know, West Brom against Brighton. <laughs> and then you, you just sort of get 20 minutes in and you think shit I think that's what's, phone. that's what's frustrating um, with us when we have these defeats in the Premier League is that in the case of like Palace not a good side but have some good players Brighton today not a good side at all. and you can see perhaps why, why they've struggled what, what you were saying there Moscow about um, taking off you know their attacking players who are doing good things and sitting deeper and deeper and deeper and trying to hang on and not quite managing it it's just, it's just really frustrating because we know how good we can be when when things start to pop. But every one of these defeats is a little reality check, isn't it? And a reminder that we need to really dig in and get some wins on the board. Keep winning. We do tend to be um, a little bit off it over Christmas and uh, January. Both Bielsa's seasons so far have, have had that um, about them. So if you remember this time last year, I don't know if any of us were um, particularly optimistic about promotion because we were at Forest, it looked it, and it's reminiscent performance-wise of kind of games like Forest last season and Wigan that was around this time last year, where there's just something about the cold that <laughs> Leeds don't seem to like, and I think that's maybe where the pitch um, does come into play. If Karen Carney uh, wants a tip next time she's covering a Leeds game, don't say that it was COVID that got us up. Say that um, COVID. Well, yeah, COVID's contribution was that we got to play most of our games in June and July um, and less in March and the pitch had a rest and it was like a carpet for the closing stages, whereas um, it is, uh, I don't know how much of a a factor it is because you do have to say both teams are playing on it and, you know, they are Premier League footballers who should be able um, able to kick a ball to each other over whatever surface, but then you do see the kind of the when you get a close-up view of the, the ruts that they are dealing with on a regular basis. Um, it should, the pitch should be addressed, actually, shouldn't it? Because Angus has mentioned stuff in the uh, in the programme notes today um, saying that you know it takes 14 weeks to, to relay a pitch and we just didn't have the window this time. It yeah. wasn't in the plan to do it. And, and there's under-soil technology that's 25 years old. And there's, just, there's nothing they can do about it. That's the thing, apart from get rid of the whole thing and put a new one in. So um, he said in his programme notes as well today that the, the ground staff should be getting... Uh, ground staff of the year awards for even putting matches on it that the fact that it's actually playable given the state it's in is a great testament to the work that they're doing um to keep it even at the level it's at so the only thing they can do about it is um rip it up start again um but until edwin collins takes over as our groundsman then uh, we're stuck with with what we've got but pass to each other you know it shouldn't be 
that difficult, but maybe um maybe because we do pass a lot more than the other teams that come to Elland Road and play against us. I think at one point we had almost twice as many as Brighton. I'm sure the gap only widened as we chased the game. Um, it probably does have more of an impact on us. And um, yeah, maybe we should have a look at the pass completion home versus away and see if, it's, if there's actually anything in it or if it is just a bollocks excuse. We don't have any games on that pitch for another two weeks now. Uh, we've got Newcastle away after about well, 10 days from now after a bit of a rest and then Leicester away. I think next time we're playing it as well, cut it. You think? It looked long today, which I'm sure they did for a reason, in fairness. But We'll pass on your, uh, your comments to the club, Michael. Could they maybe just like put a really tight tarpaulin over it that looks like grass? So it is, so that they make it flat. Carpet it. Yes. Astro-surface sometimes. If they don't have time to, uh, to replace the actual pitch, just put a better pitch on top of it, but just, you know, get some turf from B&Q and roll that out AstroTurf and uh, seven, not tell anybody just well, cheat they've got 17 days in which to do it I was looking at the calendar for one plenty week, of time but, uh, I'm just yeah. looking at last year's calendar actually this is kind of the equivalent of losing to Sheffield Wednesday at home after which we were not particularly worried because we were like well bit of an off day it's alright though we can bounce back and then we lost to QPR and we were like ah okay but there is a, there is a, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. Then there were the Wigan and Forest defeats in there as there well. Is, there is a real point there in that we play Newcastle next, and they're terrible. So if you know if there's a side that you'd want to face in this division, they're probably one of the ones you'd pick. I mean, you know that could obviously backfire, and we we might lose there. But we beat them. We absolutely thrashed them not so long ago. So we know we've got the beating of them if we're on our game. Everyone says they're terrible. Their own fans say they're terrible. They can't believe that they have the points they have this season because they basically say that they don't deserve them. So. Let's beat Newcastle and everything will be fine. And it will, yeah. And to give our wretched team some credit, you know, they have got us into the position so far this season that, you know, we're not as desperate for points as Brighton. We can afford to lose to a team that's around us at the bottom and still have, um, they were talking on the commentary, we had, you know, oh, it's going to be a six-point gap. It's miles, you know, it's still um, a long way ahead of them. I, it's, I was it's, only, a three, it's a three-match uh, turnaround, isn't it? Yeah, I was only joking about us being definitely doomed to relegation. We will stay up this season and it will be fine. It's just um, maybe it's going to be closer than we feared or maybe we beat Newcastle um, whenever the Southampton rearranged one is, get something away at Leicester, get a point there. Um, you know, we've, we've got plenty of time to pick all these And it's a six-point six gap to Brighton, who is 16th, which is also fine. Yeah. If we finish the season in 16th, all right. I'd rather not, but yeah. Like, I'm not bothered. That's that's absolutely fine for a first season back. It wouldn't be what we were maybe expecting at certain points in the season, but it wouldn't be a disaster, would it? Let's um, wrap it up with Heroes and Villains, by the way, because we've um, we've hit time now. So, um, Villains, Mopay, the pitch. Mopay, the pitch. I mean, if they had a few players going down very easily, and also... Um, Kevin Friend for giving them free kicks for some things. Yeah, for buying their shit. Yeah, that yellow card to Luke Ayling for nothing Mm. was a disgusting outrage. um, The entire result needs to be investigated (laughs) and overturned. There was a free kick given against Strike as well, I think against Trossard out on the touchline as well in the first half, where again, like the Ayling one, didn't actually touch him. They're giving these based on reactions now, aren't they? Yeah. So that was shit, but it made no difference, did it, let's be honest. Mind you, we got the first Ayling flop within two and a half minutes, didn't we? So We did. Um, a lot to be uh, a lot to be desired from the refereeing. Any, any heroes? Anybody come out of that one with honour today? Tyler well, Roberts. Yeah, I was going to say Roberts. He gets a lot of shit, and he's um, he's better than people think, but he he doesn't often show it. So and, it's nice to see it. And presumably, he played that well, having had COVID as well. We don't actually know, do we? But given the weird absence of no one commenting, and then him being back in the team, 
Yeah, and Bielsa said he was over his illness, didn't he? So it could have just, you never know, maybe he had COVID-like symptoms and it turned out to be the flu and he was fine or whatever, but he obviously he had reasons for not playing, um, but he looked very well and he played very well. And let's hope Melier comes back and performs just as well. I thought Cooper was fairly good as well. Was it a fault for the goal? I can't remember it well enough. Yeah, Cooper was fine. He played well. I thought he did all right. Right then, is it? You, can't, <laughs> you couldn't fault the effort. The great, great, bunch great, bunch of lads. great bunch of lads. Great bunch of lads. Well, yeah, I feel like Kiko? we've often said that after uh, one nil defeats to Brighton. Well, I mean, if you remember the players that fucking Warnock used to say were a great bunch of lads, were a right shower of bastards. So true. Um, he can he can take his good lad status home with him tonight, and along with the rest of them. Just wrapping it up on this thought is that I hate it when we hit these games where we have a little bit of a dip in form, and we welcome the chance to have no football for a few days because I really like watching. Marcelo Bielsa's Leeds United. It's it's a pleasure most of the time. Today wasn't, and I am happy for the break, but we know that when the Newcastle game comes around, we'll be chomping at the bit for it again. It's a tough adjustment as well because we've taken the step up that we don't win as many games. Like We we basically had two years of mainly winning, didn't we, with Bielsa in the Championship. And there are going to be results that go against what you might term form. Like We've basically beaten everybody beneath us so far and generally lost to teams above us. Um, but there are going to be some fixtures in that that will buck the trend. So we, we will lose to Brighton, who are beneath us. We will beat Man City and Liverpool like we did earlier on in the season. Yeah, I mean, six points, uh, well, it would be a total of uh, 12 points by the end of the season from those games. will be very welcome. And that's uh, 12 points that Brighton aren't going to get. Right, fingers crossed for... 12 a, um, imaginary <laughs> points that Brighton aren't going to get. Fingers crossed for a more optimistic uh, match ball against Newcastle. We will return with all the usual stuff before that. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in a bit. The Match Ball. 